Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Give a big hand clap to our online audience that's all over the world. We're glad to have you. Normally on Wednesday nights, we receive the offering at the end, and uh, I found something in the Bible. I've kind of been on this track for about three weeks, and I used to make a mistake even up until months ago where I'd get something in my spirit. I think, well, you know, Wednesday night's not the time to do that, or Tuesday morning, so I'll wait till there's a big service, but you don't always feel it in your spirit like you do when you first read it. So... This may not fit for tonight, but I'm going to show you something the Lord spoke to me in the realm of giving. If you've been here the last two Sundays, I talked to you about naming your seed. And then I told you if somebody said that, well, I don't really think you can name your seed. I showed you on Sunday morning, Genesis chapter 28, you can turn there. Genesis 28 verse 10, and then I'm going to show you something along with that in the financial realm. After the stock market closed, you got about five other banks that look like they're going down. And so it would be good to have your faith build up in the area of what the Bible has to say about finances. Because that way you don't get nervous about what's happening in the world. Because like we've been telling you for a year and a half, when you tithe and give offering, that disconnects you from the world's economic system and it connects you to God's economic system, which doesn't have any faltering. Can you say amen? amen. Genesis 28 verse 10. The Bible says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Aran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham. The God of your father Isaac, the ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the east and to the west, to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land, I'll not leave you until I finish giving you everything I've promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, set it upright as a memorial pillar, and then poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. Verse 20, uh, verse 20 Genesis 28, 20. Listen to this. If God will indeed be with me and protect me and will provide me with food and clothing. Everybody say food and clothing. And if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I've set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth or a tithe of everything I've received, of everything he gives me. So I'm connecting here with you, as I did out of 1 Kings 17, that you're not out of bounds to put 
your faith on something specific in the area of giving. I was talking to my cousin, uh, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., and we were talking about naming your seed and how that's a controversial thing. But think about it. The more specific your faith is in every area. If you pray, like we've taught against this. If, if you pray, oh, Father, whatever you want to do today, we ask you to do whatever you want to do in this service. You know, think about it. We, some of us came from churches like that growing up. Father, whatever you want to do, have your way. Here's a thought. How about figuring out what, what God wants done in that service ahead of time in prayer and then contending for that thing? So it's the same with the blessing of God. People say, well, whatever God wants me to do. Well, Elisha said to that woman that was in debt and was going to get her sons taken away, tell me, what do you want me to do for you? When he said, what do you want me to do for you? The implication is, what do you want God to do? Because it wasn't Elisha doing it by his power. Everything he had that could make anything happen was from God's power. So the more general you, you make your prayers, the worse the results, Father. You know, how would you even know if God answered your prayer or not? Well, Lord, whatever you want to do, let it be done. How would you know? Somebody hits you with their car. I guess God wanted me hit with a car today. That's how, that's how people believe. But when, when you're believing for specific things, even how we get you to pray for souls on the soul covenants, instead of Father, save Pittsburgh, or God, save America. Father, or God, save Pittsburgh. Father, these are seven people that I'm targeting my faith. I want you to see, I want you uh, by your spirit to break the, their stony hearts down. That they'll receive the gospel. And people have been seeing results that way. Their, their family being saved. The more specifically you focus your faith. Hannah didn't say, I'd like a child. I want a son. People just like that. God gave her a son. So since everything stems in, in, in Christianity from the word and faith and the Holy Ghost. They're not disconnected. It's interesting how there's people. Basically, that's where all the, uh, the barriers come in Christianity. You know, I believe that God can bless I believe God can heal. You know, even people that don't believe in healing believe God can heal because they believe he's sovereign and can do what he wants. But where the problem starts coming in is when you say, I believe that God, I, I can receive healing now. Well, that's not for you. That's in his time. That's not for you to say. No, God, Jesus never said that to anybody. What do you want? I want to see. I want my sight. Jesus didn't rebuke him. As your faith is, so be it unto you. Faith puts a demand on a specific thing from God. Now, anytime you try to put a, a demand on a specific thing from God, that's where religion rises up. Just like the blind man that received his sight. The Pharisees and Sadducees came. Hey, who, who are you? Why are you? Why do you think you can do that? Why are you walking on the Sabbath day? You, yeah, yes. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but it's in his time. We'll tarry. You know, some people God fills. I have an aunt that's been going to church for 20 years. She's not been filled yet. We don't know why. And they start making it like it's up to God to pick and choose. But if you read the Bible, God moved on behalf of the desires of hungry and thirsty men from their heart. And, and you can do that with everything. You know, with, with 31 people in the room. On the road to a thousand people. We're going to break a thousand people for Easter. Well, we didn't. We hit 771, but we broke it in September and have broke it several times since and may break it again this Sunday and soon it'll be our average attendance. Why? So, well, Lord, however big you want to grow. No, I read in the Bible that they have 3,000 added to the church opening day and you're the same God. They were believing you for explosive increase. I'm believing you for explosive increase, specifically 1,000. They would go 1,000. We'll have that church constructed that seats two. 
and can immediately go to 4,000 after making room for it and believing for it and working towards that end. Well, can you do that in prayer? Jesus didn't say to the disciples, now you can ask God to move as he wills, but don't you dare go speaking to mountains and telling them to move that, no. He said, you can say to this mountain, not any mountain, Lord, any mountain you want to move. No, you can say to this mountain, any immovable thing, cancer, debt, anything, you can speak to that thing that is physically impossible to move and your command will be obeyed. All that's required is that you really believe and do not doubt in your heart. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Listen to me, you can pray for anything. And if you believe, you will have whatever you say. So I know uh, it kind of stood out to me that it said, Jacob made this vow. And when you read in the Old Testament, there is vows with offerings. And I told you I did that with this building without knowing I was doing it. Because I felt the Lord speak to me to give 100000 and the next day we were meeting to put the down payment on this building. I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll obey you, but just as a reminder, I know you know everything, but my wife's meeting with the people that own the church we're going to look to buy, and so if I do this, I need you to do something for me tomorrow. I wasn't going, now I'm going to give my seed an assignment, right? No, it was, okay, I'm giving you my best, but as I give you my best, and that's what Jacob did. And that's where you get the difference between the Jewish mind and the Gentile Christian mind where somehow this never crossed over when the gospel came to Gentiles. Because Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what's Jacob's name mean? He wrestles with God. One who contends with God. I mean, who wrestles an angel? I told you I saw one in my room. I stood still. I didn't go like this. got to be out of your mind I mean, that's a different guy you're gonna meet these bible characters in heaven then i promise you they're not gonna look like precious moments characters oh you're an angel let's go let's see who pins who and then as he's talking to god he's talking with the same kind of of violence and aggression all right you said you're gonna give me this land and protect me and and give me food and clothing if you'll do that i'm gonna give you a tenth of everything but i expect you to do what i can't do so did god have a problem and god now that very easily after genesis 28 you could read job 40 and 41 where god then visited jacob and said where were you when i created the earth are you going to talk to me like this no People get it all backwards in Christianity. They think a little gentle, whatever the Lord wants to do. We don't know why he does it. They think God's pleased by that, but he's not. The Bible tells you even in the new covenant, come boldly before the throne of grace. You come boldly. You ask boldly, not beggarly. Father, you said this in your word. I am taking you at your word. I'm taking this step because I desire you to do what I can't do. No, there isn't two chapters of rebuke after that. There's just nonstop blessing because God's not a Gentile. God, God can get with that. God's Middle Eastern, you know, and I'm not looking to paint all cultures with a broad brush, but you listen to two Middle Eastern guys talking that are friends. You think they're going to fight. Let's go out to eat together. You know, that's, that's Middle East. You read it all through the Bible. It's not Canada. It's Middle East. And that's how God is. This is God's culture. That's where God set the whole thing up. He's not an Englishman. He's not a Swede. He's not Argentinian. He's God. He's, not, he's also not Middle Eastern or Yemeni. 
But that's where the thing started. And the mentality that you read here that's still in the Middle East now, that's how God works. Where he respects, present your strong reasons before me. Strong faith. Jesus never rebuked anybody for having too strong a faith. Woman, what are you doing grabbing my robe? I wanted to be healed. Well, now's not the time. No. He saw the woman. He knew healing had gone out from him. And he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. What kind of faith? The kind of faith that presses through the crowd and says, I'm not waiting for tomorrow to get my healing. I've suffered long enough. I take it now. Can you say amen? amen? Genesis 30. Verse 25. The subheading in my Bible is Jacob's wealth increases. Soon after Rachel had given birth to Joseph. So remember, we just read chapter 28. Where Jacob says, I'm going to tithe. But I expect you to do what you said you're going to do, including food and clothing. I mean, you know, the blessing so much more. God, we worry about food and clothes, but God's worried about eternity. No. First of all, God's not worried about anything. Secondly, there's not anywhere you're going to read in the Bible. And I'm already going too long, so I might just save the rest for Sunday. I mean, we're going to be in church quite a bit between now and Sunday. So, the giving that God instituted is to help people, and it's to help them now in this life. It's not for heaven. You will have treasure in heaven. But... The financial, the giving is about for people to receive now. Turn to Mark chapter 10. I'll skip the, the angel thing I was going to show you. Go to Mark 10. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to, I'll read some of the verses that people think that people that believe in prosperity have never read. Verse 17, Mark 10, 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you can kind of tell that Jesus didn't really care for this guy off the bat. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Jesus gave him grape juice and a vanilla wafer and a sticker chart. <laughs> Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. One thing thou lackest. And this is the one thing. It's what the, the church in 2 Corinthians 8 lacked. You have great love, you have great faith, you have great speakers, but your offerings are pathetic. That's what Paul tells them in 2 Corinthians 8. This is the one place where people miss it, is the money place. And it's not a small thing, because where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. One thing they'll lack is, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around him and said to his disciples, How hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. Why is there an asterisk there?
It's some manuscripts read very hard for those who trust in riches. See, that's where he hit this guy. And you've heard the cliche that preachers say, and it's true. He went away sad because he had many possessions, but really many possessions had him. Anything you can't give, and I've told you that's one of the side benefits of tithes and offerings, is it proves your mastery over money. It's a proof to God you've mastered money. Money's not mastered you. Can you say amen? amen. Anything you can't let go of owns you. Dear children, it's very hard for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I don't even want to think where I'd be today if that day when the Lord spoke to me on that Sunday morning to sow 100,000. Um, no. Uh, I don't know what you know about finances, God, but we have to pay 550000 in the morning, and I have a ministry to run, and we've got people on staff. So no. Find somebody else to give it. I know Pastor Rodney's building the church. That's not my problem. I'd like to see where I'm at today. I'll tell you where I'd be. I'd, be, I'd have a, a red thermometer on the platform colored in a third of the way up, thanking the Johnson family for their generous donation of $75 and color it up a little higher. Because, yeah, you're free to keep your money. God, does, God didn't, Jesus didn't, after the man said, I can't give it, then the, then the Bible doesn't say, Jesus then put him in an arm bar and took his money. Jesus wasn't doing that to help him. Jesus was pulling gold coins out of fish's mouths. Your giving's not to help God. The giving's to help you. On the inside, on the outside, and in heaven. Can you say amen? The man went away said, Jesus watched him go. Never rephrased what he said. No, I didn't mean he had to do it all at once. I'm just saying, no. So the eye of the needle, if it meant a literal eye of a needle, then no rich people can go to heaven. Then Abraham's in hell, Isaac's in hell, Jacob's in hell, Joseph's in hell, on down, Solomon's in hell, he might be, David's in hell, because he was worshiping idols at the end. So he's like 50-50. But the other guys are locks to be in heaven. So if it's a literal eye of a needle, and that's how people think, the Bible says it's easy, that a camel, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's not a sewing needle, genius. There was a gate in Jerusalem called the eye of the needle. And if you were rich, the camel could not go through, they called it the eye of the needle, it was the smallest gate. The camel had to get down on, it, on its, like walk through like this, and you had to strip. Your camel was your 18-wheeler. It was your Chevy Suburban, packed with all your family stuff. So if you're rich, you had all this stuff, it had to all get stripped off before you went through. And the richer you were, the harder it was to go through that gate. Because you had to let go of everything before you could go in that gate. And that's what Jesus is saying. And that's what people don't get about prosperity. These people talk about receiving, but Jesus said to give everything away. Yeah. But what happens when you give it? Because when he said that, the disciples were astonished. Then who in the world can be saved? Why? They were rich. Tax collectors. Commercial fishing owners. If you were poor and Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to get in heaven, yeah, that's right. I can't stand those people. But then when he said it's hard, they all piped up. Well, they, they were all going to hell. What did Jesus say? He looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But never with God, for with God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Now, check this. We've given up everything to follow you. And now, the Jesus I was raised with in church then would have said, that's right, and you should have. 
And that's your privilege to do that. One day you'll, you'll be in heaven. So I don't want to hear about it anymore. But even now, with Peter saying it like not in a good spirit, I know that guy wouldn't give up. Just for the record, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. Anytime you see God talk about giving, you're never going to see him talk about giving without talking about the harvest because the offering was not created to help God. The offering was created to help you. What did he say? Yes, Jesus said, and I assure you that everyone, how many people? Certain people are given the gift of generosity and God blesses them, but not, no. God's laws work for everyone. What I say to one, I say to all. And the Bible says, Jesus said, I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property. Children, what was the last part? Property. That's not just land, though it includes land. You know, the people who gave us this building for free told us, when you tell the testimony, you should tell them that the miracle also affected us. We had, we had an amazing year in business after we did that. Yeah. Everyone wins. God didn't tell those people, yeah, that's right, you should give it because the church is first. And I've been sick of you people having too much. No. Everyone gives. Anytime somebody's ever given me or a dollar something that was like a seed of sacrifice, I felt to give this to you. Then you talk to them. You're never going to believe what happened after I did that. You, you think you got something, then they got something a hundred times better than what you got. Then what happened to those people that gave it to them? Giving puts, look at the U.S. economy. Every Christmas, giving causes the economy to boon from the end of December through like March. From giving and returns and swaps because people aren't hoarding their currency, they're giving. And the whole country benefits. Can you say amen? Amen. Property. For my sake and the sake of the gospel. Jesus likened any giving to the gospel to equal to giving, put it in his hand personally. To my sake, for my sake and the sake of the gospel, we'll receive now. We'll receive when? Now. Whether we ever receive now or not. I, so Jesus is a liar. Jesus had a poor grasp on the word. He didn't say, when you expect God to do something for you now, you're not pushing God to do something he doesn't want to do. All you're doing is what Jacob did. God spoke first. God was the one that told him, I'm going to do all these things. All Jacob said was, okay, if you'll do that, then I'm going to do this out of a belief that you're going to do it. And when you expect God to do something where you're not sometime in the future, he'll do it in the future too. There's heaven. There's a reward in heaven. But there is a blessing now for all that will follow the word. There's a blessing for you tonight now. There's a blessing for you. Watch it online tonight. Somebody shout that word now. We'll receive now, in return, 100-fold houses, brothers, sisters. I, I don't have any brothers. My mom and dad had me and my sister Jessica. But I have, I have tons of brothers. There's nobody that has a physical brother by blood that's closer to you than me and Kofi are. And I got him by, through the Spirit. So, and that's not the only one. Brothers. 
Most people have blood brothers that are much less close than me and Kofi. I've never punched Kofi in the face. He's never punched me in the face. But most people have punched their physical brother in the face or at least dreamed of it. Brothers by the Spirit. Sisters by the Spirit. Mothers and fathers by the Spirit. Rodney Howard Brown and Donica Howard Brown. Jesse Duplantis and Kathy Duplantis. Sitting in their houses like talking to family. You think we knew them 55 years. Just spending time together because it's by the Spirit. That's one of the great things about church. You'll start meeting people that, that, are, that feel closer than, your, than physical family. Because the, the giving affects everything. You'll receive mothers, brothers, sisters, children and property along with persecution and property will receive now 100 fold houses brothers sisters mothers children and property that's as much bible as john 3 16 do you know that do you know the bible's not graded you know there's so the salvation part that's important then this part if you want to get into that no all scripture is inspired by god and you're not going to have to get too old in life before you realize you not only need the heaven part you need the healing part. You need the victory over sin part. You need the marriage part. You need the children part. You need the blessing part. Because God didn't waste, God didn't sign a deal with a publisher and he had to fill 1,200 pages. So some parts he just filled. No, all scripture is God breathed. That God has a plan for your profiting, that you're prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He has a heaven plan. He has a personal spiritual prosperity plan. He has a, a wealth plan. He has a health plan. Can you say amen? And the people that teach against that, I don't understand. There's a guy that teaches against that, and then he just put on Twitter. I follow him because I like him. I don't, so you don't have to agree with me 100% on everything for me to, to like you. I can find common ground. I mean, I, I was talking to people on Twitter during the pandemic that were, that were atheists. One guy was a, a Satanist, but he was a constitutional lawyer that, that, would, that said the government's doing a massive overreach to shut churches down. Well, I can get with you easy on that. I don't have to get six. Maybe that was a bad example. I feel like I lost like 75% of the crowd. So I followed this person. You know what's interesting about people that bash healing? They all bash, you know, and that's, we should just be thankful that God saved us and that there's a heaven. Then they write, this guy wrote, my wife has cancer. Can, can, can you pray for us today? It was all I could do. Now, I'm not going to kick somebody when they're down. But genuinely, what do you want me to pray? You don't believe in healing. But funny how, yeah, you don't believe in it when other people are affected. But then when it touches your house, now it's different. Okay. Now, now I'm just going to believe. Okay. And you've deprived all the people of that their whole lives. But then when it touches your child or your wife, now you're open to it. That's wrong. And then people do the same thing. We don't believe in prosperity. We're going on a missions trip to Thailand this summer if you could give. What do you want the people to give? You asking them to give shows that you expect them to have more than enough. I don't understand. I'm not being sarcastic or mean. I'm telling you, I don't understand. I don't understand how people don't think. Think your theology out. Just the rudimentary requirements of Christianity require an overflow. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Help people. Get the gospel out. God, God called us to increase. And that's what he told. And that's what he told Peter. 
I know you've given up everything. Listen, these people talk about increase. The Bible says Jesus told the rich young ruler to give everything he had. Yeah, and Peter did do that. Peter walked away from his business. And Jesus said, just so you know, Peter, you're going to receive now and in this life 100-fold. Did Peter lose given to God? Where, who else are you talking about from A.D. 34 on a first-name basis? They talk about him every week in every church like he lives down the street. And as Peter said, and everyone nods their head. They all know who Peter is. Nobody knows one fisherman from that day. They know him. He stepped up. He didn't go down given to God. He went up given to God. Leave your boats. Leave your nets and come follow me. And now here he is, 2,000 years later, famous. If you're the most famous baseball player in Major League Baseball, India and China don't, don't have a clue who you are. They don't follow baseball. And that's 2 billion people that you're not even famous in most of the world if you reach the upper echelon of here. But when you reach the top with God, God will put you on a top where no one can ignore you. I see you taking the top like that in Jesus' name. If you believe it, can you say amen? Well, I'm torn, but I'm not going to go into the other part about what, what got triggered in Genesis 28 because I got all caught up on arguing with pretend people that weren't even challenging me. <laughs> the giving's for you. Oh, you gave? One day you'll have treasure. And have, no, he said you'll receive now and in the life to come. Everybody say now. And in the life to come. Because now matters. Your kids don't need to eat in heaven. They need to eat now. You have dreams that God's given you that need, require assets now. Whether we ever see it here or not. Shut up. You're anti-scriptural. Jesus never said that. You said that. And the more I've traveled... I really feel that the reason a lot of people oppose the prosperity message is because they don't pay their staff in church. And they've told them all to sacrifice and be poor and that there's, and one day they'll get rewarded in heaven. So when a preacher comes and tells you that God actually wants you to have a car that's not held together by K-Love bumper stickers, <laughs> then they're going to lose their staff so they don't like that. They don't want people, I, I really, I never thought that until this year, but I'm starting to realize the reason some people oppose prosperity is because the senior pastor makes all the money and no one else gets paid. So they don't want somebody telling people to get blessed because they're not going to bless anybody. And, and that ticks God off. Labor is worthy of his hire. Can you say amen? Obviously you can't pay every volunteer a salary, but if people are given 40 hours a, a week, to the church, you should, you should follow the golden rule. That's why people at this ministry are treated very well because I did all their jobs and was treated like garbage. Just trust the Lord, live by faith. How about you getting some faith and pay me? I'm 19. <laughs> faith is not a synonym for poverty. I'm just living by faith. So did Abraham. And he wasn't scrounging meals together. He had 318 trained servants that all ate from his table. Then you see him living by faith, walking on the outside of the tent. Hey, there's two guys I've never seen before. Have you guys had anything to eat? I won't let you go till you come in and have my 90-year-old wife cook you some food. He was like half Jewish, half Italian. 
That, that's, that's living by faith. Who can I bless? Who can I help? Not scrounging by. Can you say amen? amen. Say this with me. As your faith is, so be it unto you. So when people start believing that that's not true, they manifest what they believe because as their faith is, no, ministry's hard. It's hard to build churches. Steel's tripled, lumber's tripled. Yeah, and everything's hard for them. Because as your, God, God can't move beyond your confession, which is defined by your faith. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. How many know life's hard? How many know ministry's hard? How many know raising a family's hard? Keep talking. Keep giving the devil an open door to slap you around. I'm not speaking about hardship. I'm speaking about the blessing. Can you say amen? amen? It's hard living on a fixed income. Who fixed it? Unfix it tonight. Father, I thank you that the windows of heaven are open over my life. The same windows God will open over your life when you're 42 like me. He'll keep them open when you're 82. You know, my... my well, I won't say who, but the lady that comes here a lot that taught me when I was in school. If you were here back when we were meeting in here on Sundays when I called her out of the blue the one time and I said, I'm going to give you $5,000 for putting up with me when I was in first grade and $5,000 for putting up with me when I was in second grade. Do you know she received $10,000 a year from one source and they just called and canceled the week before? And she said, Lord, what am I going to do? And the Lord spoke to me to do that. She's on a fixed income, and it got lowered. But if God loves you, nobody can lower you. When God promotes you, nobody can demote you. I see you receiving promotion by the hand of the Lord. And God promotes givers. Can you say amen? That's a fact. That's why I do my giving. Everything we do in this church, the reason we do it debt-free and with ease and there's no pressure on anyone is I take care of our giving as the leader. Ask Patrick. Just give and give and give and give and give. And the money comes in and like waves of the sea. Keep giving. And I didn't fall into the trap that I saw people go into. Well, we're going to build the church now, so let's tell all the missionaries we're not giving them any more money. No, then, then you're going you're gonna to die. The weight of the building is going to crush you. You're going to carry it on your face. You're going to age 40 years in 10 years. Because you're, you're going to try to do it. And you're going to try. But if you stay connected to heaven, you can never run dry. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich. And he addeth no sorrow. If you know that tonight, give the Lord a great big hand clap. Hallelujah. Go ahead and take your envelope. I'm going to receive the offering. I'm going to teach you a little bit and pray for you. If you're making out a check, make it out to Revival Today. Dot, or sorry, make it out to Revival Today. If you are giving online, RevivalToday.com and click Give Now. And I want you to give and, and give your offering a specific assignment. What do you believe in God? To, I'm asking you online. What do you believe in God to do for you? Anyone that gives for my sake and the sake of the gospel. When you, when you get involved in forwarding and advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus takes it personally. You're doing the opposite of the rich young ruler. And anything you walk away from for God comes back a hundredfold. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Isn't that right, Brother Tony? It's a fact. Give and it shall come back to you. 
pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hallelujah. Thank you for your giving online, revivaltoday.com. Click give now. If you have more than a quarter million dollars in a bank account, I would give anything that's above that because it might not be there Monday. So might as well sow it. Yeah, funny how all these Bible verses are actually true. Don't store up wealth where moth and rust. Keep it in circulation. Praise God. PNC can't lose a million dollars from our church. Gave it away. Put it in Jesus' nail-scarred hand. He doesn't lose anything. Keeps meticulous records. Can you say amen? amen. Man, Patrick, even the Mormon bank getting slammed. If they're getting hurt, it's not good because they're smart people. Well, our bank is the first federal credit union, faith-based federal credit union that's received approval since 2017 in America. We received our approval. So we have to do the chartering and all that. And um, by the time we're done, we may be the only option. So that's good. Amazing how the Lord keeps you ahead of the curve. Amen? Amen. We started filing for this a, a year ago. I know what I feel in my spirit. So, we're in good shape. Amen? Amen? Praise God. All right, ushers, go ahead and receive the offering. thank you for tonight. I thank you for your people who are here. I thank you for all the great things you're doing in this city and for keeping your hand on this church and the people of this church. I thank you that the second half of this year will be the best second half to a year they've ever had. In Jesus' name. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for your power. Thank you for every family that's here. Thank you for every person who's here. Thank you for those that are watching online on the other side of that lens. 
Thank you for all the children that are watching. I get their Instagram pictures. I pray you would touch every person tonight and they'd never be the same. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Give the Lord another great big hand clap. You may stay seated. If you're online, you already have my title. And if you're here, four confessions that keep Christians in perpetual bondage. Verse, four confessions that produce perpetual breakthrough. This kind of is a reactionary sermon because I'm on Instagram. And Instagram has an algorithm so they know you're a preacher. And then they think because you're a preacher, you like all other preachers and what they have to say. So they put these people in your feed and... I read things and I realize why so many people need prayer. People need prayer generally because they don't know what they need. They think they need prayer, but they need to know what the Bible says in an area to produce victory. So I want to give you these. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians, the first chapter. I've been preaching for 21 years, which is not a long time, but it's also not a short time. And if you go to a full gospel church, Holy Spirit church, Word of Faith church, churches that purport to know the Bible and purport to understand victory, you can open almost any service you want and say, how many of you need a breakthrough tonight? Every hand goes up. How many need healed tonight? Every hand goes up. How many need prayer? Every hand goes up. So there's a problem there because that's not how it was in the early church. The Bible says in James chapter 5, James said, are any among you sick? He wasn't even sure whether anybody was sick. Because like we read last week in Acts chapter 5, they were lining the sick up on the streets that perchance Peter's shadow might fall across them. They were getting people healed in the building and out of the building. So the early church wasn't in need of breakthrough. The early church carried breakthrough. Now, say this out loud. I'll never rise higher than my own confession. Bible says, by your words, will you be justified? By your words, will you be condemned? Then Jesus in Mark 11, 22 through 24, he spoke one time on what you believe, talking about moving mountains, three times on what you speak. And an old Texas pastor named Kenneth Hagin said, the Lord spoke to him because Christians aren't missing it in their believing. They're missing it in their speaking. How many of you believe God's a healer and will protect you? Everybody will say amen. Then they'll go out in the six days between services. You know, um, I mean, we saw it during COVID. Churches that preach healing. We need to be careful. We could, they don't believe. They speak. Their mouth isn't matched up with their heart. Their mouth is matched up with their head. We walk by faith and not by. So a Christian has to learn to let their speaking be determined by what the word says that they've hidden their heart and not what they see with and, and experience with their physical senses. Can you say amen? So here's four that I've noticed that in case there's anybody that has these, I want them to change. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. All praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, not will bless us, not is blessing us, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Go to verse 15 for the sake of time. Ever since I first heard, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, 
Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Now, if the Apostle Paul prayed constantly for these Christians, then number one, you can pray this prayer over yourself and it's a scriptural prayer. More scriptural than the Lord's Prayer. Because the Lord's Prayer was given before the death, burial, and resurrection. This is a New Testament post-resurrection prayer that not only was prayed by Paul, it's recorded by the Holy Ghost in Scripture. So what did Paul pray? Lord, keep him healed. I bind the devil. No, look what he prayed. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So there's um, if you have knowledge of God's word, I mean a heart knowledge, revelation knowledge of God's word, there's no devil that can do anything about you. Anybody watch the, um, you know, they had that gathering of Satanists in Boston, Massachusetts. Do you know how many pa- pastors that should know better? We need to pray. We need to, for what? What did you think was going to happen when they met? You know, first of all, are people under the impression that the devil's locked in hell and they were going to release him? What's going to happen that's already not happening? You know, I heard after they met, there's been a giant fentanyl problem. No, that's been here for a while. What else do you want? That evil's in the world. 71 people in black capes they bought at Hot Topic aren't going to change anything. We need to bind. No. You need. Actually, they should be holding prayer meetings for what we're getting ready to do. Because we don't respond to darkness. Darkness should have to respond. You know, the Bible says in Acts 19. Who's Paul writing to? The the, the church in Ephesus. Where that church was birthed in Acts 19. The the wicked people that served idols had to hold an emergency meeting to, to, to come up with a plan to stop what Paul was doing. Not the other way around. You can have a satanic meeting every day in Boston for all I care. Won't change one thing I'm doing. We'll keep taking land, building churches, and seeing people receive Jesus Christ by the tens of thousands because darkness can't drive out light. Light drives out darkness. You know, a lady gets up and... And Christians do all their marketing for them. lady gets up and rips a Bible up. Boy, is she going to be disappointed when she found out they printed more than one. Oh, no, that was our only Bible. Now what? Does anyone have any verses memorized so we can write a second one? And didn't even have the arm strength. to. It was like hard for her. I felt like I was watching me. What did Paul pray? Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that your hearts might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts be flooded with light. Not that the devil will be bound over you. I pray that your heart will be flooded with light. Light connotates revelation of God. So that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power toward us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. And seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand 
again in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Chapter 2 verse, now think. So if you prayed that over yourself every day, you want to be out of line doing it from your heart. If Paul prayed it, you can pray it. Imagine that. I, imagine it. Father, I pray that you would help me to understand even greater the incredible greatness of God's power that's towards me because I believe you. Let me understand it. That this is the same mighty power. And then read that off. Imagine if you start up above it. I pray that you would give me spiritual wisdom, more spiritual wisdom and more insight. That I might grow in my knowledge of God. I pray that my heart would be flooded with light today. So that I can understand the confident hope you have given to me whom you've called your rich and glorious inheritance. Now if you sat and prayed that. Kenneth Hagin said when he was in evangelistic meetings. He took that that Bible, and opened that up and prayed that in the daytime before his night service. And that's when he started getting what he prayed for. An explosion of revelation about faith and healing and confession. Because he was praying, that's the secret to victory. There's no devil. If you understand, what, he, what did he say that he hoped you, pray, you would understand? I pray that you would understand that Christ is seated in heaven. He is the head. You are the body. Now he is seated far above. How far above? Far. Not a little above. All powers, all principalities, all authorities, and every ruler. So there's nothing that has to be gained. And he's seated there, and he is the head, and we are the what? So there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about. Because I, I'm not trying to get the victory. I already have the victory through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're thankful for it, go ahead and do what you're already doing. Give the Lord a great big hand clap. Now, I want to couple that with Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28.1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all the commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings. How many of them? All. You're, if, you, if you obey the Lord your God. Say this out loud. Obedience, Obedience. produces blessings. Why do people think if they obey God, they expect an attack? Lord called us to go to Kenya, and I know the devil's going to be attacking. No, the Bible doesn't say if you obey God, the devil will kill you. It says if you obey me, all these blessings will pursue you. When you obey God, you should expect a blessing. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be blessed. I like that. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but they'll run from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on, every, on how many things you do. 
on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people. As he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you're a people claimed by God. And they'll stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity. I don't believe in that. Well, it's there. It's right there. Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. Blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many, but thou shalt not borrow. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today and be careful to obey them, the Lord will make you the head and you will always, how often? Always. Be on top and how many times at the bottom? How many times on top? Always. How many times at the bottom? But you must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. Four confessions that keep Christians in perpetual bondage. Verse four confessions that produce perpetual breakthrough. Number one, I battle blank slash I'm under attack. I battle alcohol. I battle depression. Now, you can't read, you know, you can read it, but you can't read it and take it into your heart and make that confession. Is Christ under attack from alcoholism? It's not a trick question. Maybe this will help you to realize Jesus is not an alcoholic in heaven. Is Jesus under attack from alcohol in heaven? Is Jesus battling depression in heaven? And the Bible says he's the head and we're the what? So nobody says, now I battle depression, but I don't battle it in my head. I battle it in my elbows. No, if you battle it, you battle it all through you. And so if the head's free, the body's free. And Christ is the head. Yeah, but he's Jesus. Yes, and I'm by a divine mystery, I'm hooked up with him now. He is the head, I'm the body. But you talk to most Christians. I'm under attack right now. Well, get out out from under attack. Attack back. There's things I'll be able to say in another year or two that I can't say now. But if you were coming in early on in this church when we were under attack, when people tried to shut the church down, what did we do? Sit and wait for, we're in a season of attack right now. No, called 40 Days of Glory and preached our way out of it. Because the word is the sword of the spirit. That's what that was all about. And it flipped the whole thing. And it's still flipping the whole thing as it keeps growing. What the devil meant for bad, God flipped it for good. What was spiteathon? The devil tried to choke out the money of the ministry. So you go on and a million dollars comes in in five nights. By, because when the devil's trying to attack, you don't sit in a, and wait to see if it goes away. You can speak to the storm and tell that thing to move. So what's the right confession? Say it out loud. I'm not under attack. I have the victory. One more time from your spirit. I have the victory. I'm not trying to get it. I have it. Say it one more time. I walk by faith and not by sight. I don't care if I feel like I'm being attacked. That doesn't change Ephesians 1. What do we do in mountain seasons? And what do we do? How do we handle valley seasons or storm seasons? What are you ta- what do you smoke? How much crack do you smoke before you teach the Bible? Because none of those are verses. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt and blaming crack. 
I'm actually being kind and putting the blame on the drug. It's not in the Bible. What part of always on top do you not understand? I mean, no, we, stay, we have mountaintop experiences, but how many know we can't stay on the mountain? Boo! You! I'll just stick with boo. I got kicked out of chapel in Bible college. I got so sick of them having these older guys come in to speak. Now, not all, some older guys were encouraging. I know you students are on fire and you think you're going to go out there and change the world. Number one, I am going to go out there and change the world. I don't need you in your little wet underpants putting a damper on my fire. I know you guys think you're going to go out there and change the world, but you're going to find out there. So the one guy goes, I know you kids think you're going to run out there and lay your hands on every sick person. They're going to get healed, but that's not how it works. And when he paused, I went, boo! They weren't happy, but I bet you Jesus was happy. I like that kid. Look how Jesus acted in the temple. Look how Jesus acted towards religious leaders that were telling people to stay sick. Mad that the woman got healed. I wasn't doing that to be disrespectful. Well, I guess I was doing a little to be disrespectful. Sorry to say, I wasn't really booing. I was respectfully booing you. That might be the only time that's happened in the 2,000 year history of the church. The look on his face. Who's been booed while preaching? <laughs> it's a miracle I graduated. I wasn't doing it to be rebellious, and I honestly wasn't doing it to be disrespectful. I was booing. I don't like unbelief. And I'm, t- I, well, well, he was young then. I'm 42 now, and I hate it more now. Who tells people that? I mean, you know, we all battle something. I'm not battling anything. What is there left to battle? That's why you couldn't get me interested in praying against those Satanists. What, what? What am I going to do? If Jesus stripped the devil of how much of his power, how much power does the Bible say Jesus took from the devil? You know, I hopefully made nine o'clock dinner reservations for me and my wife, but not happening. So I'll dance with who I'm with. Amen. I said to her, I said, we're going to be in church Friday. We have all night prayer. There's no need to run a service that long. But a leopard can't change his spots. I can't do it. I wish I could do it. I really wish I could do it. I can't do it. How many know we all battle something? I really feel like all of us, you know, really every Christian should be in therapy. What a first world thing to say. Well, you believe every Christian should be in therapy? What would you say to people who go to church where there's no therapist? What would you say to our brothers and sisters in Christ in Syria? We should all be in therapy. Meanwhile, you go there, they're dancing. They're celebrating. Can you say amen? Amen. And then then here, they get so, they love attack. We need to pray against those Satanists. Pray what? Jesus, the Bible says, stripped their boss, the devil, of how much of his power? So if you've taken all of someone's power, <laughs> then what, what are you going to do? <laughs> I felt like writing the people and telling them, we have volunteer meetings that are triple the size of your international satanic con- convention.
I can't say it any better than I said it. Hey, I wanted to congratulate all our friends over at the Satanic Temple. I saw you had your international Satanist convention this weekend in Boston at the Marriott Copley Place. And uh, I want to congratulate you. It looked like you had almost a quarter of it full, definitely over 20% of it full. I heard almost 100 people. And that's a barrier that's not easy to break. So I believe with the right marketing, I'm believing with you guys. Next year, that international gathering of Satanists is going to be over 100 people for sure. And uh, I saw you have 20% off on all your gear at your website. So that's good, you know. So looks like things are going good over at the Satanic Temple. Love you guys. Wish you all the best. Hope you had a great time in Boston in your capes. And saw the red lights and the thing. Looked cool. You know, you did your best is the important thing. When you can hang upside down at night and know you gave it your all, that's what really matters. Love you guys. Only here would that get applause. Turn to 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 18. I'll close with this. I'm just going to do one of the confessions. I'm with you till Jesus comes, so we don't have to pack all four into one night. First Kings 18. Verse 1. Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. So Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a devoted follower of the Lord. Once when Jezebel tried to kill all the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden 100 of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. Ahab said to Obadiah, we must check every spring and valley in the land to see if we can find enough grass to save at least some of my horses and mules. So they divided the land between them. Ahab went one way, went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. As Obadiah was walking along, he suddenly saw Elijah coming toward him. Obadiah recognized him at once and bowed low to the ground before him. Is it really you, my lord, Elijah, he asked? Yes, it is, Elijah replied. Now go and tell your master Elijah is here, which was an insult. Because Obadiah serves the Lord, Ahab's wicked, but Obadiah works in the palace. So he, Elijah considers him like a sellout. Go tell your master that I'm here. See, Elijah's not hiding in a cave waiting for people to bring him bread and water. Elijah was Elijah. Can you say amen? He's not hiding, he's fighting. As Obadiah was walking along, he suddenly saw Elijah coming toward him. Uh, so, oh, sir, Obadiah protested, what harm have I done to you that you're sending me to my death at the hands of Ahab? So this is why Obadiah wasn't calling fire down from heaven. Though he's a prophet, he's a good guy. Uh, he's going to kill us. Oh, no, he doesn't do the killing. I do the killing. Go tell him. I'm quoting, I'm being like Elijah in the story. I'm not threatening to murder my entire congregation. It's like that lady at the theater. She wants me to check for weapons every Sunday. I'm not going to kill my own congregation, lady. Oh, you foiled my plan. I'll be back next Sunday. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've read about church shootings. Usually it's not the pastor. 
For I swear by the Lord your God that the king has searched every nation and kingdom on earth from end to end to find you. And each time he was told, Elijah isn't here. King Ahab forced the king of their nation to swear to the truth of this claim. And now you say, go and tell your master Elijah's here. But as soon as I leave you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you away to who knows where. When, so you believe God can do that, but then you don't believe he can take care of Ahab. God will whisk you away to another nation. Yeah, you serve the same God. People can believe God for anything except the thing they specifically need. How many believe God can make the sun stand still? Amen. Can he heal diabetes? No, everything but that. Everybody say, my God can do anything. Yet I have been a true servant of the Lord all my life. Yes, you have. Congratulations. Has no, has no one told you, my Lord, about the time when Jezebel... So this is why you know Elijah was taking a swipe at him because Obadiah is defending himself. I hid 100 of them in two caves and supplied them with food and water. Now you say, go and tell your master Elijah's here. Sir, if I do that, Ahab will certainly kill me. But Elijah said, I swear by the Lord Almighty in whose presence I stand. Say, say that with me. Say, in whose presence I stand. Now say this. I've got the Holy Ghost on the inside. And I've got God's presence on the outside. When those guys tried to kill... My dad, when he was preaching in rural India under the tent, when they got within 10 yards of him, they fell. They, they didn't fall over. They got knocked off their feet by an unseen force. Machete went flying. Next guy, same thing. Next guy, same thing. Till eight of them were laying around knocked out. There's some angel there with a gold tooth and a Louisville slugger. Yeah, they're not all heart players. Some of them have neck tattoos. Only God can judge me. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because my dad's standing in the presence of God. What does the Bible teach? Our real lives are hid with Christ in God. That's what the Bible says. So anything that gets to you has to go through who first? God. Devil's going to be attacking. What devil can attack God? Where am I positioned? With Christ in what places? What does the Bible say about Satan in Revelation? Satan went... Uh, uh, to make war in heaven, but prevailed not. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places where Satan has no ability to prevail. You are seated with Christ, Ephesians 1, in heavenly places far above. You can hold the international gathering of witches in the ballroom at the hotel across the street and curse me for 10 hours a day and it won't affect one thing that's happening. I'd be as worried about that as if I found out that there were five kindergartners that were making a plan to beat me up. Like Will Ferrell. If you didn't get the reference, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm not praying. You're too small to pray about. Your little convention is too small. And they, and they had less than 100 people. How much fewer they, would they have if Christians weren't doing all their marketing for them? Christians are always, always. Did you hear what movie they're coming out with? No, please let me know. I made a point not to watch the Grammys, but thanks to you, I saw every satanic thing that happened because you filled your Facebook and Twitter with it. Can you believe what was on the Grammy show? Yes, I can believe it because they're unbelievers. 
They're sinners and sinners sin. They're releasing like a presence into this nation. So what? Every Sunday when I get up, I release a presence into this nation. Now think of this. If we were the only church in the United States of America, what we carry is stronger than everything Hollywood has, everything the United Nations has, everything the government has. But baby, we're not the only church in America. We're a hundred million strong who have not bowed the bail or kissed his face. I watched pieces of that satanic convention. I got encouraged. That's our opposition. We got this. Having trouble ripping a Bible, the pages out of a Bible. I was thinking, I'd do more damage to my Bible's preaching than you do trying to destroy it. I feel like praying against them. I feel like feeding them a multivitamin. This is called Centrum Silver. I know you're only 23, but take this. It'll help with your bone density. Next year, you'll be able to tear pages out of the Bible. It's a joke. It's a joke. Their whole thing's a joke. I'd be embarrassed. If we held an international gathering of Christians and it filled a quarter of the Marriott Copley, I've been to that hotel. We got married in Boston. You couldn't fill the ballroom that we were going to fill for our wedding. International gathering of Satanists can't fill a hotel ballroom. Not a stadium. A ballroom. 20% full. You got Christians outside the window. He come against you. It's already come against. It's an abject failure. So when you don't understand where you are in Christ, you get nervous about things. Do you hear what Biden's planning? To what? Digest soluble foods? <laughs> I, I felt bad looking at those Satanists. I feel bad for them. I don't know what happened to them. I feel bad for them. They look sickly. They look like they, look like they need like a good meal. I, I feel like if you fed like two-thirds of them a good meal... They just went, you know what? I don't want to be a Satanist anymore. I just needed meatballs. Now, let me finish the scripture. So Obadiah, verse 16. So Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so is it really you? You troublemaker of Israel. So you see that Ahab, that Ahab spirit thinks that anointed men of God are the problem with a nation. There's people in power right now that would just wish we could all be gone. And they're going to get their wish soon. They're going to find out it's not going to work out quite like they think. Because we're the salt of the earth. We're what preserves it from rotting. Can you say amen? amen. They need to tax the churches. Yeah, because it's a revenue problem. You take 40% of everyone's pay and, you're, you're, and, and companies, and you're $30 trillion in debt. Yeah, but if you tax the churches, then it would fix everything. You think churches, if you tax them, you're going to get $30 trillion? They're having baked sales and fish fries trying to raise 600 bucks. You have a management problem. You blew a $40 balloon out of the sky with a $200,000 missile. So that's the problem. I've made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers. 
For you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all Israel. And I want to say this. I, wasn't gonna, I was just going to teach like a nice pastoral Wednesday night, but that ship sailed. I dressed up. I, was, I promise you, I made 8.30 reservations. I was going to give you, like, I was going to honor Charles Stanley tonight with the best of my ability. I mean that. He's a good guy. He's in heaven now. But since we're here, you, 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 you let all this demonic stuff into the White House, and now you can't figure out how you go from a, a thriving economy to banks failing like we're in Zimbabwe in the 1990s. You can't see it. God talks to nations by their money. Can you say amen? amen? People should wake up. There's consequences to having a White House that hates God and hates the Bible. It ain't going to affect me. It's not going to affect you. Say this out loud. I live in this world, but I'm not of this world. Oh, I haven't made any trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers. That's how Elijah talked to a king. Just so, just throw so my Romans 13 friends. I think that's the only chapter in the Bible. Oh, I haven't made any trouble. You and your family are the troublemakers because you don't worship God. You worship idols. Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Ashtoreth, who are supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people were completely silent. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only prophet of the Lord who's left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Interesting that Elijah didn't consider the ones that were hiding prophets. God did. He called them prophets. But Elijah said, I, no, you're sellouts. You're hiding. I don't like you. I'm the only prophet the Lord has left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of the, their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood of the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God, and all the people agreed. They should have realized right now that they already lost. Right then they should have realized they lost. There's 850 of you and one of him, and he's ordering you around. Go get two bulls. Go there. Do that. You go first. Okay. <laughs> so who's in charge? How come they didn't just say, they, now think of this. They'd been looking for him. The king had sent word to go find him and kill him. And there he is. And there's 850 one of you and one of him. And he's telling you what to do. There was a king in Israel, but Elijah was calling the shots. He was calling the shots for the two chapters before that. Never forget, no matter who wins what's election, while the church is here, the church is in charge. The church has the authority and dominion of Christ. Somebody say, I'm in charge. What do you do when you're in a season of waiting? Change it. You're in charge. What outside force is dictating your season of, of quote-unquote waiting? Where are you getting that from in the Bible? Hey, you know Moses was brought to the backside of the desert, and sometimes we're in our desert season. God didn't bring Moses to the desert. Moses killing a man with his bare hands and fleeing for his life did it.
He had an anger problem. If you beat someone to death and then bury them in the sand, you have issues <laughs> that need worked out. And man, the guy it was, still had it. Still had the issue. It's what kept him out of the promise. And he got so mad, he disobeyed God's law and smote the rock at a hundred. Who has an anger problem at a hundred? I mean, sometimes we're in our desert season. And if you listen to people like that, you're going to be in a desert season your whole life. You're going to be in a dry season, season of waiting your whole life. Jesus is coming soon. And I want to tell every person in this church, God doesn't have you in some kind of waiting season. Even if you're in a training season, that's not a waiting season. That's some, Notice how at the Bible calls, that's what we do. Even while you're training, you're out Saturday winning souls and preaching the gospel. God has work. God has work for you to do now. There's an assignment with your name on it no matter what your age or where you come from <laughs> waiting season where do you get that from where do you how do you miss the parables in the bible where there's a vineyard that needs to be worked on a harvest field that needs harvested and they saw men standing around and the owner of the harvest field said why haven't you been working no one called us we'll go and work go and work in my field no wait what do you think you're going to wake up one day and there, there's a, a halo over your head when you go to shave? Oh, I unlocked it. I can work now. No. I just feel like I'm in a season of waiting. I feel like I'm being attacked right now. That's your problem. You're in disobedience to how the Bible says to conduct your mind. We walk by and not by. I'm, I'm blessed because the word says I'm blessed. I don't care if I feel blessed. I don't care if I feel anointed. I am anointed. I am blessed because the word of God said so. And that's my confession. Otherwise you're going to be, feel blessed when you drink a Red Bull and when it wears off, feel sad. You're going to have your whole confession dictated by your blood sugar. Oh, ice cream. I'm the head and not the tail. <laughs> 45 minutes later. There you have a... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to make it. I, I know how Job felt. No. That's digestion. You think I'm joking, but ask anybody in the minute. That's what people, they think they're battling something. But you're not. All you, the only mountain, listen to me, the only mountain that any man will ever have to move is his ignorance of the, what the Word of God says. And as soon as you find out from that book that I'm not trying to get the victory, that mountain that thinks it's a mountain, that devil that thinks he's, he's an opposition, if God is for me, tell me who can be against me. My tomorrow is guaranteed. And I tell you as your pastor, your tomorrow is guaranteed. It's been determined by the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, how come you don't, how come you don't kill Elijah right there? Because you can't. Right. Devil doesn't have power to take you out. Elijah's ordering around the king like, he, like he's like a trainee at McDonald's. Go get him. Go do what I tell you to do. Go get all those men and then go get that bull. Then go build an altar and then, go, and then do your thing. Yes, sir. What happened to killing you? You can't kill, you can't kill people that are hooked up with God. Can't kill him. They, how many times did they try to kill Paul? 
See, that's, that's where, that's where uh, me and other, other ministries part company. Jonathan said, but Paul, Paul was martyred for his faith. Not on the first try. Not on the second try. Not on the 11th try. Not until, what did he say on the ship? There's a storm that's sent to destroy the ship. But the Lord's angel appeared to me and said, I must complete my mission and go stand trial before Caesar. So until I'm done, I'm not done. And until he said, I have fought, past tense, a good fight. I have finished, E.D., the race. I have remained faithful. I'm done. I did my assignment. Now I'm going to heaven. That's what he said. They didn't take his life from him. Jesus said the same thing. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. It's the only time he uh, piped up before Pilate. Don't you realize I have the power to take your life or save me? Oh, no, my friend. You have no power over me whatsoever except what the Father gives you. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. Those people across the street couldn't come and kill my father. They had the weaponry. They had the manpower. But you can't get around his angels. That was one of the other points I was going to get to, but I'll deal with it another time. I'm being attacked by, I have a demonic attack against my life. I have a generational curse. No, you have angels. You have a blessing. I said, you have angels. You have a blessing. But I don't say I order demons to follow you wherever you go. It says I order my angels to follow you wherever I go. Stop getting hell conscious and get heaven conscious. See, Christians always seeing demons. How about seeing an angel? They're with you. How come you only see negative things? Because you're weird. That's why you gravitate to the satanic convention. You need to pray. No, you're weird. You know, if you think Satan's that powerful, why don't you join them? We, we just need to pray. No, I don't. What am I going to pray? Jesus, could you make a return trip? Give Satan some power back and then take it back again? What power is there left to take? It's all gone. Now, if, if Abraham's Bible is power, and I take all his power, and you're praying that God would do something about his power, what does he have? What, is, what, is it, what can God do anything about? The Bible doesn't say he stripped him of some of his power. It says he stripped him of all of his power and made a show of him openly, tri- triumphing over him in it. made a show of them openly. Read what they did when they conquered a place in the Roman Empire. They they humiliated the enemy. The devil has been humiliated. It's not just a defeat. He didn't win 21-20 in the fourth quarter. He made a show of him openly. He destroyed his power and he gave that power to the church, which is his body. If If Kofi was here, I mean, you think we don't know about demons? But we've cast out real ones, not pretend ones. Those people at that satanic convention weren't even demon-possessed. You could tell the demons were like, those people are weird. (laughs) Let's possess like actual functional people. I was going to possess that person, but their apartment's a mess. (laughs) Kofi went to northern Ghana where nobody speaks English. Nobody. In the bush. And the head witch came to his meeting and started yelling at him in English. She doesn't know English. The demon knew English. Where's Kofi today? Dead? Then after she finished, he withered up and died. No, she went missing. He dealt with them. Then the way you further humiliate the devil, heal the sick. 
Sickness is of the devil. The healing of the sick is a display of the supremacy of Christ's power over the devil's power. Can you say amen? Amen. We need to bind Satan's power. What power? Isn't it interesting that in Paul's entire prayer, he never said one thing about Satan's power. Just I I pray you start to get knowledge of how great God is. How powerful he is. Can you say amen? Amen. Major league player. God is. Devil's not even in the minor leagues. He's out. He's out of the whole system. They're not even in the same class. They're not in the same class. And who have we become one spirit with? He that's joined to the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He that a man who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one spirit with her. But he who's joined to the Lord becomes what? Say it loud. One spirit with him. So the same spirit that Christ has, I'm joined with. So tell me what I have to pray about. Tell me. They should be praying, not me. They should pray to their gods, and their gods, if they listen, will tell them, we can't do anything. Now think, if all those things are true, and they are, then what does the devil have to focus his efforts on, which is what got me ticked off, which is what produced this sermon in the first place? Getting you to doubt or how do you pronounce that word? Obscufate, obscufate. It's like obscure, obscufate, O-B-S-C-U-F-A-T-E. Like where you veil something. How do you pronounce it correctly? Huh? No, that's not it. How does it? No, okay, we'll go with obscure. Shield you from it. Look at how many Christians. I won't keep you here all night. Look how many Christians... I've gone to church for 35 years. They don't know any of this. You know, I'm half happy and half sad when somebody comes up to me at this church and goes, I've been a Christian for 35 years. I've never heard this. That, that great, but also awful. Not for them. What have you been teaching people? Then you have people actually have the, well, Jonathan says, No! Jonathan just yelled what God said. I didn't come up with this. And I didn't come with this. Now, what this actually means in the Greek, it's just what it says. All authority, all power. Turn to Luke 10. Luke 10. You know, if anybody's watching me that owns a steakhouse in Pittsburgh, if somebody could stay open to 10, so it's not like living in a citywide old folks home, that would be great. You will make some money off of me. Luke 10. Not complaining, just saying. Everything closed at 9. The lights are on in the nursing home till 9.30. Luke 10. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported. How did they report? So this, this is showing you what it should be like to go out on a mission for Jesus. You come back joyfully. Not, we were attacked, many of us died, and Kenny got tuberculosis. We were overseas, so we all got yellow fever. Those aren't, those aren't testimonies. Those are failures. When the disciples came back, they came back joyfully reporting all the things. They had happy stories. That's what got me drunk on the ministry. Hearing my, my dad, every week he came back, we'd all gather around and listen to the things God did. One miracle after another. When, when Dr. James Morocco 
If anybody's watching from his church in Hawaii, when they had their gathering of ministers, they've started 500 churches. They're all telling their testimonies. And the church in Thailand tells their testimony that they arrested their pastor secretly, you know, no, no bill of rights, arrested the pastor, put the pastor in a secret prison because Thailand's gone back communist. And, and communism and, and the Bible don't go, you know, for all these people that say the Bible teaches communism, then how come the first thing communist countries always outlaw is the Bible? If it's helping your cause. But it doesn't teach communism. So be careful about communism. We need to think of the community. No, every man for himself. Even this, even church is every man for himself in a way. I'm telling you the Bible, then you go live your life. It's not a cult. There's not a side room with bunk beds that we're all going to after the service. <laughs> You're responsible for your family. A true pastor, you can't control people as a pastor. You tell them the word. Preach the word, then people, do, people are free to do what, what they're going to do. Can you say amen? amen. So they have the, the pastor from Thailand gets up. And the church tells the story that they arrested him, put him in a secret prison. Probably will never see him again. And so they have all night prayer. They didn't have to pray all night. They prayed, I think at, they started at 7, and like at, but before midnight, they're praying, and when they open their eyes, he's seated in the front row. He said, I was in prison, blinked my eyes, and was in church. Yeah, I know, hard to believe. Wow, so you're telling me God can do anything? Huh. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> then after they told their testimony, none of the other American churches wanted to tell their testimony. Um, well, we're good. We're, we made $1,700 at a car wash, but we'll save it for another day. <laughs> Mighty God! Yeah. Mighty God! Yeah. Creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Yeah. What a mighty God we serve! Joyfully reported. Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Jesus said, seriously? No, Jesus said, what? Demons? Listen to me. You know their boss, Satan? I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. And look, I have given you. Who? I mean, God has all the authority. No, he gave it. In the earth realm, God gave authority to man. So where do people miss it? Why did God allow this? Why do you allow it? It's not up to him. He gave you authority. So if it's up to you, that whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. And bind and, lo and loose are permit and stop. Whatever you bind. What happened last year when the Spirit of God rose up in that prayer meeting and we cursed the supply line of fentanyl into the city. Biggest bust in Pittsburgh the next day. Parkersburg, West Virginia, same thing. Whatever you stop, I'll stop. Whatever you allow, I'll allow. People don't get it. I've been telling mothers that have good kids, you have a great kid. It's all God. I said, it can't be all God because other mothers have the same God and their kids are terrible. So there has to be some input from you, apparently. Because if God gets all the credit for the good kid, then he'd have to get all the blame for the bad kid. And that's how those places teach. 
We don't know why God gives some people good children and other people bad children. We don't know why God makes some people rich, some people poor. We don't know why God heals some and doesn't heal. Because in their mind, everything is being done by God. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Because notice, as I've been teaching you the Word of God over the last year and a half, how it doesn't just sit dormant on the inside of you. If I took a show of hands in at least one area in your life, something made, something rose up in you in an area and said, no, I see now that this is not God's will and I'm not taking it. I'm going to do something about this by my faith and your faith moved that mountain. And I've got news for you. The same way your faith moved mountain one, it'll move mountain two and three and bigger mountains and more giants and Goliath and all his brothers because that's what God gave the church to prevail in every battle of life. Go ahead, take 15 seconds and give the Lord the biggest hand clap. Hey! I said hey! Say that loud. The devil is defeated. He's going to hear you say that. Good! He's the one I want to hear me say it most. I know who you are. I know you're a little, you're not big and red with, on steroids like they draw you on Instagram. You're a little spineless punk that got all his teeth knocked out. Jesus took all your power. I read the Bible. I have no fear of you, but you have a fear of me because Jesus is on the inside of me. Let me say this while I'm at it. I'll have to cover this a lot. So then if you start talking like this, people will go, we're, we're in the New Testament it says, be careful because even Michael would not issue a railing, a railing accusation against the devil. You know, if you read that in context, it's not talking to believers. It's talking about people that mock the supernatural. Read it. That you should be careful. If you're not a Christian, you're not demons, went all that. I don't, yeah, you, you should be careful. Because you're, 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 you're in their kingdom. But if you read Paul, Paul wasn't dealing respectfully with the devil. You unclean spirit, come out. He didn't say, and the Lord rebuke you. No, he didn't. The Bible's telling you that if you're not in Christ, you, you'd better not mess around with these things. Is there any actors or actresses from Poltergeist left alive? Yeah, you don't, you don't play with the devil's power outside of God's kingdom. You get your head caved in a million different ways. But if you're hooked up with God, you can go around and root him out anywhere you want. Anywhere. Wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, you'll be on land that I've given to you. Say, say this out loud. I have dominion. Say, I can have it my way. Right away. Not just at Burger King. Yeah, it's not up to God whether Camila serves the Lord. It's up to me and her mother. And so we're, we're, we're going to parent correctly. Whenever the Lord wants. No, I know what the Lord wants. I'm going to make it happen. Can you say Amen. It's not up to God whether my marriage stays together. It's up to me. It's not up to God whether this church grows. He already stated that he wants his church to increase. It's up to me to take the proper steps and read the book of Acts. What steps produce growth to get in line with what God wants to do and then do it. I don't know why Jeff gets big muscles and I don't. I guess God just wants some people to have muscles and other people not. I'm sure we don't spend different amounts of time in the gym with different weights. I don't know how. I think it's why a lot of intelligent people don't want to come to church because churches throw cause and effect out the window. Actions produce results. 
Today I said before you, life and death, blessing and curses. Oh, that you would choose You, you. God laid it all out here. My people are destroyed for a lack of. And you know, that's not a rebuke to the people. It's a rebuke to the priest. You don't teach anybody anything. You teach them nothing. They don't know the truth and they're getting their heads caved in by the enemy when if you tell them what I said, they could prevail. It's up to God. Ultimately, it's up to him. No, it's not. Because you're going to read the Bible. You're not going to read any verses where God's still making up his mind about anything. You know, I'm still kind of deciding whether I want the whole world to be saved or not. I'm kind of deciding whether it's my will for people to be healed. How many sicknesses and diseases did Jesus take on his, on his body? The, uh, 16% of the world's, 40% of us. He took them all. All our sicknesses. How many? All our diseases. I don't have to wonder. That's why if you play that clip from Easter Saturday, when we had a thousand unbelievers in, in, in the place, I'm going now some of you guys are going to heal. If you're interested... God will help you right now because he already did everything he was going to do 2,000 years ago. Nothing's left a chance. What do you want? All you got to do is decide. I decide I'm going to be saved. I decide I'm going to live holy. Then God gives his power to back your decision. And if you decide the other way, the devil will provide his power to back your other decision. But the devil's power can't override God's power. Well, Jonathan, you said you decide you're going to live holy. There's temptation. I'm well aware. And I have power over temptation by the Holy Ghost. Well, I'll never get to it. In my undisciplined speaking style. So when they call all the prophets together and the prophets start calling down fire, attempting to call down fire by their gods. What is Elijah? I should read. I'm going to read it. 1 Kings 18. Actually, to any restaurant owners, I need you to step until 11. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Even 10 would be dicey. 1 Kings 18. 25. Then Elisha said to the prophets of Baal, you go first. There's many of you. <laughs> I love this guy. You can like feel the Don Rickles in him. You go first. There's many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God. But don't set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noontime, shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around. It's how God even like mocked the way they dance. Hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, Elijah began praying against them. Elijah began binding their spirit. Elijah began. That's his reaction to people that operate in occultic power. Mocking. Mocking is the highest way to deal with something in the spirit because it shows that you don't even consider the thing worth any value. You know, think of this. If a demon manifests in a service, because I've seen this happen, if people... Oh, everyone pray. Um, Brother Tony, play a song about the blood. Where's the oil? The demon is like, all right, good. I got a 
room full of knuckleheads that don't know what Jesus did, and this is going to be a four-hour performance. I can tell them anything I want. I'm from Sheba. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares where you're from? I'm throwing you out. I don't care where you're from. I don't care. What, you know, I gained my power from Babylon. care about you or Babylon. You know, I've heard demons talk. I'm king of the frogs. Wow. You know, if this was a Disney movie, that'd be great. I have frog power. All right. This isn't Mario Brothers. But then when you, when you start realizing and you mock them, you unclean. I've had demons manifest in my service and I started laughing out of my spirit. It'd be like, you know, someone's going to get their rear end kicked, but like your dad's going to do it. <laughs> this guy's going to get lit up. Nah, I'm not worried about you. I'm not worried. You listen to me. You think I'm overdoing it? I'm not. If every, you listen to me and remember I said it and I'm scripturally right. I'm doctrinally sound. If every demon spirit inside hell and outside of hell, made it their business to take you out. If you know what God said and act on what God said, the shield of faith quenches how many? So they can shoot an M60 with a belt-fed uh, uh, machine gun, a belt-fed M60 of bullets with endless ammo. It doesn't matter. It quenches all of them. Attack any attack you want. You can't dictate, and I told you that, and I stood for it and proved it to you. I told you when, when we were under attack, whose idea was it for this to be a church? Jesus. Then if anyone can move us out of this building, I'll serve them instead of Jesus because they'll show they're more powerful. But look, here we are. Look, here we are a year later. They can't do it. They can't do it because Jesus is king and the devil is defeated. I have a generational curse. You do? Of illiteracy? From not being able to then get the Bible on tape. Or, or YouTube. And listen to Ephesians 1. And listen to Deuteronomy 28. I'm the head and not the tail. I don't care if every ancestor I had was a, was a crackhead. And all the women were prostitutes. And they all worship the devil. I'm not in that family anymore. I've joined a new family. God is my father. Jesus is my brother. And the devil's no relation at all. My people are destroyed for a lack of? I need deliverance of stupidity. Of illiteracy. Of refusing to believe what God wrote. I have a generational curse. That's why I can't stop drinking. Oh, yeah. There's a generational curse that can override the blood of Jesus that set you free upon salvation. My people are destroyed for a lack of. That's right. So because you believe the wrong thing, you speak the wrong thing, and you give life to the thing you're trying to get free from. Devil's too small to be prayed about. Devil's been attacking me. No, he only attacked three people in the whole Bible. And you're not in their class. Jesus. I'm talking Satan himself. Jesus, Eve, and Job. That's it. The whole Bible. Only three people dealt with Satan. Stop. Start losing respect for your problem. 
and gaining respect for who's on your side. Start losing respect for what's against you. And start magnifying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who's for you. Because if that God's for you, nobody can be against you. Now, I'm, about that time, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder. He scoffed. He wasn't praying. I bind, I bind their occultic powers. I come against it right now. What did Moses do with the Egyptian? Now, now I'm talking about actual occultic power people. They could throw their rods down and then become snakes. What did, what did Moses do? Oh, my God. Uh, no, God said, now throw your rod down. He threw his rod down. His rod became a snake. And what did it do to the other snakes? Swallowed them up. And then he picked it back up and it was a staff again. Now, oh, you guys don't have any staffs. My apologies. Yeah, let them do their little show. No, you do yours. It'll beat all of them and then back in your hand. No effort. No sweat. People pray about the... Now, I'm going to tell you. Now... That's what, the last time we did all night prayer was when they announced they were going to do that satanic convention. I had pastors in New England tell me, you need to, when, can you take some time and pray about it? I said, no, it's too small to be prayed about. Now, what if we take the half night prayer we're going to do on Friday night? Oh God, we just come against the demon powers that are in this region. There's, the demon powers can only operate in this region in the absence of us. If we're here, they have to move out. If we bought that car dealership across from the theater in McKee's Rocks, McKee's Rocks would begin to change within the year. The crime rate would drop. Jobs would move in. Restaurants would open up to feed all the hungry Christians that were leaving the theater every day. McKee's Rocks has bad crime. Where's the churches? How can there be a city that big with no church of a thousand people? Yeah. Yeah. So the only way the devil can do his thing is if the church stays small. And let, let me say this while I'm wound up and I missed my blue, my dinner reservation. Looks like it's going to be a Sheets 3 appetizer sampler <laughs> tonight for me. Living large. I wrote something about explosive church growth on Instagram, and somebody wrote on the internet, we have a small church, and we love God, but it's small. And so, and so, so what, you know, I, I think Christians, if they could just understand addition. Yeah, your ch why are you standing up for your church being small? My church was once small too. There's nothing wrong with it being small today. But how can it stay small if you win the lost and disciple the people that you win? Which is the mission of the church. It's not possible to stay small. It's not, if that's not a theological problem. That's a, that's a mathematics problem. How do you add to the church daily such as should be saved and stay small? You can't do it. I had a pastor tell me one time, because I was preaching strong on like revival and the explosion of the church. And uh, the pastor came up to me after the service because he had a small church. You know, God has a plan for small churches too. I said, that's right, to win the lost, disciple them, and become big churches. That, that's not, you can't make any different argument out of the Bible. This tree is not producing fruit. It's taking up space in my garden. Be fruitful and multiply. So if the devil can, no, no so think of this. Let's, let's wrap up this long, loud message. If the devil can convince the church, A, that churches aren't supposed to grow, and B, that they're in a wrestling match with somebody that's already defeated, 
then that's how he, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That, that wrong believing produces an ineffective church. But then if you flip it, why do you think Jesus went to work? He didn't run around casting devils out of people, though he did cast devils out a lot. His ministry was a teaching, preaching, then demonstration of power ministry. But he spent his time teaching and preaching primarily. Because the word, if my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, where does the right knowledge come from? Where? The word. I need prayer. No, you don't. You need this. And if you read this, you're going to start to realize, and I'll pray for people. But prayer can't substitute for knowledge of the word. And when you have a knowledge, the more you grow, what did Paul say? I pray that when I come to Ephesus, I can lay hands on every one of you with my power-packed apostle hands. I pray that you would begin to understand what I understand. Me and Paul, what I understand. The incredible greatness of his power toward us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I pray that you people would start to get so intoxicated on how mighty God is. So Acts 19, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. The sower sows the word. Get the word into people. What are they doing to kids in high school and grade school? Teaching them things that are contrary to the word. But what happens when the word gets in those kids? You can't make them feel oppressed or less or victims or confused. No, they start realizing from the Bible, I'm the head and not the tail. I wasn't creating the image of apes. I was creating the image of God. God. I have God's mind. I have God's ability. I have God's rightness on the inside of me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So now that you have your believing right tonight, let your mouth line up with it. Let the fruit of my lips and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh Lord, my, my, my strength and my redeemer. Meditation on my heart. I'm not, I'm not thinking about things that are unscriptural. Jonathan, what if all the banks collapse right in the middle of you building this building? That's not a scripture. That's not going to happen. When God called me to start this church, he already knew how the financial thing was going to shake out. He doesn't care. He does not care. I'm God. That's how he talks. You think I need SVB bank? I have streets paved with gold. All the banks in America, if they pulled all their money, couldn't pave one ar uh, artillery road in heaven. I'm God. I don't need any of you people's anything. I'll, I'll do it. The Bible says the Lord sits in heaven and does what he pleases. That's what the Bible says. I like that. Do what I please. Hallelujah. That's how I see Jesus as the express will of the Father. I just see Jesus doing what he pleases. I don't like these money tables. Hey, you don't own this. Crack. Okay, do what you want. I do as I please. Yeah, I don't feel like swimming or getting a boat. So let me try this instead on the water. Because I'm God and I do as I please. Now what, what devil is going to do something about that? What did the demon say to Jesus when he was preaching? Please don't destroy us before the time. Listen, I know you can kill us right now if you want to. Just get, can I have like a few thousand years? No battle. Man full of 6,000 demons. And what happens when Jesus steps on the shore? He runs and bows at Jesus' feet. 
The demons bowed. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. He's not going to be Lord. He is Lord. He's Lord of all. He's my God. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you met me when I was five or six years old, I talked just like this. I love Jesus. I don't know everything I know now, but I love Jesus. I love reading the storybooks. I loved all the miracles. I was talking them up everywhere I went. Yes, my mother. I talked about Jesus to people, witness to people. Like I, you know, when I see these kids in this church doing that, that's what I, I did. No one told me to. I just liked him a lot. And then when you fall in love with him, you want people to know. He puts this desire in you to tell people about him. And here I am all these years later. And God's been so good. Just get drunk on his word. Speak his word where you go. Tell people what a mighty healer he is. If God has a woman like that on earth that won't shut up about him, he'll bless that woman. If God finds a man on this earth that won't shut up about how great God is and that his word is true and God's more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we might ask or think according to his riches in glory. God's not limited by riches here. He's only limited by the riches and glory of which there's an endless supply. God doesn't need, and that's where you're going to have to get rid of all this teaching about like without our giving, God, and I don't teach that. Without our giving, we can't, you know, our giving is what fuels the kingdom of God. Nonsense. God is unlimited. The only reason we receive offerings to help build the church is so that people can receive a blessing from it. Because if angels deliver it, nobody gets a blessing. It came from heaven. So God gives people a chance to give in case they want to be blessed. But if nobody, if everybody in this church stops giving, nothing we're doing will stop. Because it's the Lord's church. It ain't even my church. I'm trying to think of a way to do it without looking weird. But one Sunday I may resign formally and put a chair on the platform for Jesus and just formally turn the church, even though I already have, like, I already feel that way. Just like young Icho, who had the largest church in the world, had a big seat on the platform for the Holy Spirit. That's, uh, I'm going to do that. So you can't steal my money. It's not my money. You'll steal God's money and, and he'll, he'll deal with it. And I'll, I'll, I'll just sail through life on faith on a ship called faith that you can't turn over. You can't shipwreck. And that faith comes from the word of God and that word's been preached into you for two hours. So now you watch what's going to happen before the end of this week. Because you have something on the inside of you right now that decapitates devils. Greater is he who lives in you. Just one of them. Jesus, greater is he who lives in you than every evil spirit that's in the world. All of them. That's why there has to be a pre-tribulation rapture. Because the Antichrist can't take over while she's here. Just her. Just him. And then you start collecting a bunch of her and her and him and her and him and her. And, and you, you guys going to your school. Now you think the devil's got problems now. Because one of you could take him out. Now there's a ton of you. And if you do take one out and lure one back into temptation, we'll have 21 more saved by the time you do that. So you're going to lose. You're going to lose the whole city. Pittsburgh 
will carry the flames of revival. You know, the, the pastor that right now has the largest church building on planet Earth, Dr. Paul Nietzsche, he called me at 5.30 p.m. today. I was on the phone with him right before I got to the pulpit that he wants, he wants to come here to preach. And he said, the Lord showed me that everything in America is going to flip and it's going to have revival. Hallelujah. Amen. Because the devil's not going to write the last chapter of American history. Revival today, church, and many churches that have not bowed the bell or kissed his face are going to see the greatest move of God that's ever come. So rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has given you the victory. Stand on your feet, everybody. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.